Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, August 11th. And John and I would like to use the beginning of this episode to formally apply for the position of co-athletic directors at Michigan State University. Thank you. I mean, the resumes speak for themselves. Um, some would argue we're overqualified and, and we're kind of doing the university a favor. Um, we're willing to do it. Happy to help, you know, where we're needed. Billy Bag Beekman stepping down. Um, I get it, it's a stressful job, but that's why you need two people like us to come in and uh, handle it's a tough job, so, you know. Like I you mean, said, it, it, listen when when you are uh, uh, one man can only drop so many bags, and mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's probably what wore our friend Bill out, our frumpy king. Um, I, I gotta say, uh, you know, kudos to 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 Bill Beekman, um, a short. Yeah tenure the history books will probably uh look back in sort of like this strange way on his run but in all honesty i don't know that anybody i mean i'm sure it exists but there cannot be very many people in the history of athletic direction that have been put into a a a worse quite frankly position than than bill beekman i mean this guy uh had to replace mark hollis who was you know, uh, obviously uh, left the university in the wake of the the Larry Nasser scandal. Um, so he's taking over at that point in time. Very difficult place to find yourself. And then the only things he's he was tasked with doing was uh, replacing the head football coach uh, during his time and then overseeing the integration of NIL into collegiate athletics. So really uneventful three years for for Bill. Um Huge amounts of credit. I mean, I don't think this guy was ever uh, – he actually came out and said he never wanted to be an athletic director. So um, not only did he do it, but I would say uh, after three seasons dealing with COVID, too, on top of all of that. Dude, um, great job, Bill. Also, I'm remembering back a couple of years ago when there were allegedly a couple people on a podcast who were not very happy with Billy Beekman. At a certain point because he dropped, we thought he dropped the bag. Um, he fumbled, it's true. He, we thought he fumbled the bag. 
with uh, Luke Fickle, and you know we we were mad online. And he came back and totally redeemed himself. Yeah. <laughs> so, shouts out to Billy. Um, good on you, bud. Thanks for for you know I guess kind of keeping the ship afloat. And you know whoever takes this job, it's it's not going to be easy because you're in the midst of a couple crazy things. There's expansion talk, right? Um, mm-hmm. There is a new football coach or basketball coach potentially in the near future. Um, Tom Izzo is not getting any younger. He has now. Don't don't get scared. He didn't necessarily don't say do that. Don't say that yet. Yeah, but I mean, like you got to be thinking. You're not if, wrong. You're not yeah. wrong. If you're coming to Michigan State, in all reality, you're probably thinking that in the back of your mind, like I'm probably going to have to replace a Hall of Fame head coach Ideally, at some point in my tenure. That's right. I mean, ideally, this is a destination job for somebody. And, you know, if it is, then you're probably going to be here longer than Tom Izzo is going to keep coaching. And, um, you know, that's that's no small task. And then, you know, uh, not to mention, um, you know, maintaining and keeping up uh, budgets from COVID, as you mentioned, which is not easy to do. But fortunately, he has a couple of very awesome uh, donors. Three that I can name, Matt Ishbia, uh, Dan Gilbert, and Draymond Green. Gold medal winning Draymond Green, should I add. Again, no big Uh, deal. Third. Before we go back to the AD question, I I can't believe I'm saying this, that he's he's like pretty surely a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Draymond Green. Oh, I mean, I would think absolutely. I mean, mean, here's the thing people have to remember. It's the gold medals weigh very heavily into that equation because it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the basketball Hall of Fame. Mm. And he has three gold medals, which are not in the NBA, but are very much basketball. And his collegiate accomplishments account towards that as well. You may remember Tom Izzo in the basketball Hall of Fame, despite never playing in the NBA. (laughs) It's true. Um, He and, you know, you said he also won two state championships while we're doing medals. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's one of the most decorated basketball players of all time. Um, You know, there's only a finite amount of people who have won at the state uh, NBA and uh, Olympic level magic Johnson being one. He actually has the collegiate, the, I think there are only two. I think I said this on the pod before. I just can't remember. Only like two play- people of all time who have won all four of those. And there's only a couple dozen that have won at least three of the four. And Draymond's one of them. So it's a pretty wild sentence. Yep. From He's a pretty uh, good player. Pretty from, cool that we went to school there when he was playing basketball there. Oh, from Saginaw to Springfield, man. It's wild. You've uh, already written his social media campaign. That's good. Hey, again, that's why we're the ADs. This is so easy. Uh, So there are a couple of candidates uh, outside of yours truly in Austin who are allegedly front runners. Um, Three names that keep being floated. You'll see uh, Martin Jarman of UCLA. Uh, He he used to actually be a part of the athletic department at one point. His wife is an alumnus and uh, has some ties in Michigan. All intents and purposes done a great job at UCLA. surprised if he actually left UCLA, but hey, never know with family how that might work out. Heather Like of Pitt is another name that you've seen popped. 
I believe she was at Eastern Michigan prior to Pitt, um, revived an athletic department that, frankly, people were talking about putting the, just putting to sleep, just putting it to death. <laughs> and, and, and that's no small feat. Um, don't know too much about her beyond that. Um, so I don't want to go in too far in depth. And then the other piece is uh, is is Alan um, Haller of Michigan State, an in, internal candidate who uh, is, I, you know, not just a strong internal candidate, but the reason you may see his name is there are a lot of former athletes who have kind of championed him as, as their pick. So uh, lots to consider here for the board of trustees and, and school presidents. I'm not quite sure where they're going to land, but just, you know, if you feel like it, don't be afraid to at MSU and just say, hey, times the wild card's the best bet. Austin and John, we'll do it for half the salary that they're asking for. I think we can. Uh, I, half each. Well, that, obviously. Yeah. Um, double the bet. Two people. <laughs> There's only so much we can do. Uh, I think it's going to be obviously fascinating. Um, I'll say a couple things. Uh, you know, again, I know we're we're biased here, but that's why you why you come to this podcast. Um, I think Michigan State, in terms of a job for an athletic director, it is. I, I, it's not a uh, you know the best job in the country, but it, it's a damn good job. Like that's a top 15 to 20 program, I, in my estimation, that you could want to take over as a new athletic director. I mean, you've got, like you said, you got tons of money in your donors. You have a massive alumni base. You have a blue blood basketball program, a football program that's won just about everything you can win in the last decade. Um, and, and there's a lot to be said for for all of that. Um, and you've proven you can have success in just about every major, well, certainly the two revenue sports, but in, in plenty of other ones as well. I mean, there's been plenty of baseball success, plenty of hockey success, lots of women's basketball. Uh, I know some of the other teams have obviously been soccer has been successful recently. I mean, there's a lot to like about that. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, an administration that's not afraid to spend money either. Um, mm-hmm. as we've seen recently with the money coming into the football program. So there's there's really quite a bit to be excited about. And I think it really boils down, in my mind, to two candidates. And I'm sure they'll go national and they'll go a long ways. But I think ultimately the MSU connection is something that is going to weigh very heavily on everyone's mind when it comes to uh, the next hire. I think just historically, that's what MSU has always done. I'd be surprised if they go in any other direction. So Jarman. Jarmond from UCLA would be a grand slam hire, grand slam hire. Um, he's got the MSU connections. He he's only he's been at UCLA for a little, honestly, like a little under a year, which is why I probably would imagine he wouldn't leave. Also, he's at UCLA, so can't really blame him if he doesn't want to leave. Um, but would be an absolute absolute grand slam. I think the the. I think he's like 35 or 36 years old, super young guy. But I think in today's day and age, given everything that's changing the landscape that's changing within college athletics, I actually think that's a huge boon to have somebody that's, that's younger. And I don't know how old uh, Alan Holler is, but he is the other candidate that I think realistically 
you know, would probably be looking at uh, getting hired. And the reason I say that is the internal hire, somebody who's been with the administration for quite some time, um, mm -hmm. you know, I would think has a, has a pretty, is at least going to get several phone calls. So if it's anybody outside of that, I might be a little bit surprised, but at the same point in time, you know, uh, I, I guess you can't be, can't be shocked, but I think it, if you're looking for common themes to look for from somebody, it would be that MSU connection um, and or major program experience. <clears throat> yeah, you mentioned you think it's a, a not really nice job nationally. And, you know, part of part of being a really nice job nationally is how much revenue the athletic department brings in. And Michigan State rolls out of bed as a top 20 rev program. And I'm not sure if people realize that, um, you know, when you're when you're around people and other programs that are very large, like Ohio State, <clears throat> Michigan, Notre Dame, can kind of get overshadowed. But <laughs> nationally, this is a brand, an athletic department that makes more money than <laughs> a lot of teams in the SEC. Almost every team, uh, sans Texas and Oklahoma and the Big 12, in um, almost all ACC teams, like it's just kind of overlooked. But if you can take a job <clears throat> that you don't have to worry too much about the revenue and all you're being asked to do is just keep it, keep the momentum going like that's mm -hmm. if you can get it. So <clears throat> you're right. Yeah, I think uh, another part of that is as you as we talk about realignment, this is never a program that's going to get left out. That's right. This is never a pro this is a program that a lot I, that I think will always have a place at the big boy table because of the things that you're referring to the, uh, the track record of putting pros in, in both major sports, the alumni, the donors, all the things we just talked about, this team, this program's never going to get left at the kids table. So mm -hmm. to, and again, yeah, maybe, you know, you probably think of like Florida, the sec schools, these other huge institutions. It's like, well, in all reality, is Michigan State exactly on that level? No, but they're not all that far behind. So um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a damn good job. It's a job, I'll put it this way, it's a job that you would, if you were ever going to leave it, it's like a lifetime appointment with a very, very small list of mm -hmm. schools you would leave it for. There's not, not a lot. So I think anybody that MSU hires uh, is probably coming at it looking like, hey, this is where I'm going to be for the long, long haul. Well, and I can tell you, once you get to the level of a Michigan State athletic director, <clears throat> your next job isn't almost 100% of the time is not another athletic department position. It would be sure, to sure. apply to be a commissioner of a conference or something um, to that level. So, you know, like for a lot of folks at the P5, elite P5 school level, it's it is a destination job when the only kind of upward trajectory available is, you know, positions within conferences or the NCAA, which <laughs> I, I don't know about the NCAA anymore, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're looking at the, the kind of the top of the mountain. So a lot of incredible candidates are coming through, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> excited to see how it plays out. And you'd like to think that Tom Izzo uh, is going to get a pretty good say into this. Uh, maybe some other well-tenured coaches like Susie Merchant handful of others that I'm sure I'm forgetting, but <clears throat> their input will probably likely be be welcomed as, as a long-term Spartan. So 
I don't know. I'm not sure when there's a timetable on this one. Um, it's just one where I think you got to take your time and get it exactly right. So mm-hmm. see how it goes. Yeah, I would agree. Either way, it's uh, a tremendous opportunity. I would think it would attract um, a high caliber of candidates. Like us. Like, for instance. <laughs> um, well, athletic director, not the only uh, – as we look for the athletic director, the wheel of time spins on, and uh, other people within the MSU universe have to make decisions, including Tom Izzo who recently made a decision to accept the commitment of 2022 point guard Trawan Trey Holloman. He's uh, a Love point guard. First of all, awesome name, which we yeah. always look for in our point guards. We, we all always have. It's been a standard for, for a very, very long time. Um, Trey Holloman is a four-star composite recruit, uh, the number 70 overall. I believe that's according to 24-7. I mean, she beat out some, some really – great basketball programs for him that are that are hot right now including illinois which i think is not really one to be overlooked at this point in time so that's a pretty hot school at the moment um oklahoma state baylor iowa texas uh we're talking wisconsin marquette i mean he's from st paul minnesota so uh those some of those northern schools really hold a little bit of extra weight so nice offer list for trey holloman he actually comes in as technically a two sport athlete um was a big time actually a three-star safety recruit, which is, again, nothing to really scoff at. Um, So big-time athlete can really dunk. If you watch his, uh, he can really, he's he's a very plus athlete at the point guard position. Um, First, oh, actually, before I go any further, he's also friends with Simba Carter. First of all, another awesome name, two awesome kids, Simba and Trey, hanging out in Minnesota. Um, And he is the first commitment in the class of 2022 but john you wanted to talk about it a little bit he's actually going to be the fourth quote-unquote point guard in that uh in that class tough uh yeah so in this on that roster i should say sorry (laughs) in this new uh ever-evolving game of basketball you may have seen things where you know even centers need to be able to be shooters now you know you need five guys on the floor who can shoot well Tom Izzo is playing a different game. He's playing a more advanced game. And he's saying, what if I had four passers on the court and one elite shooter? Think about that. And everyone was like, whoa. Actually, I have no idea if that's what's happening. But I'm just spin zoning as best as I can because it seems a little odd that we have uh, Mr. Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard. Jaden Akins, and now the addition of Trey Holloman. Not to mention, can't leave out Steven Izzo as the fifth option on the on the oh, great point. Uh, I think you can make a pretty good case that Jaden Akins is going to be moved to the two. I mean, he's a scorer more so than a, a distributor, and by default, I think he has to because AJ Hogard um, is not a shooter. So until that changes, he's going to be primarily uh, pigeonholed into that uh, primary distribution role Trey Holloman I think if you have to look down the line a little bit this is going to be a guy that because of simply just because of minutes allotted he might not see the court for a couple years but it would be solely his backcourt for his junior and senior year as a point guard and that's went back to um, where Izzo was into a little bit of a groove of getting his guy every two years 
and he had been doing that um, almost all the way back to Kalen Lucas, if I remember correctly. Things got a little bit dicey uh, back the past few years, um, as you remember. Uh, Foster Lawyer didn't work out the way they thought. Rocket Watts obviously didn't work out uh, as the plan B for that. So now um, you, you can't say that Tom Izzo didn't overcompensate. He's never going to be short a point guard. Yes, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, he, he does this thing recently yeah. where he, if if you, the team can't rebound, like yeah. I'm never going to be short bigs ever again. <laughs> and then the team doesn't have point guards. So now he's going, I'm never going to be short point guards ever again. And I'm not sure he realizes that you're, <laughs> you have to balance things out at a certain point. He's really... <laughs> His his math skills uh, are struggling a little bit in his getting his, as his age progresses. <laughs> I think we're just gonna have to trust in the guy who's who's. Uh, who's no. Okay, you know no. what? Let's not. And <laughs> the thing we like about Trey though is that he is a six-two. Uh, you mentioned he has some bounce. AJ Hogard six-three. Talk about overcompensation from the Cassius Winston and Foster Lawyer point guard days. Not that catches. Don't forget about Tom Tom being exactly. short. Tom couldn't couldn't probably you know Cash could take a bump, um, but on, even on defense, even on Cash's best day, um, had to work really hard, right, to to, mm-hmm. to break even. And that's just a size thing, you know. That's not an effort thing. And you know, size solves a lot of problems uh, if you can match it with effort. You're in a lot better shape. So you know, when you get guys like AJ, <clears throat> you get guys like Trey. You know, there's less that you have to worry about. Um, and so I think that's something that you can at least, you know, put in their back pocket. They are going to have, you know, as we said, three point guards on the roster. I think you might even see for the first time in a while, depending on how these scholarships pan out, a redshirt. And, and I say that because there's still at least four more spots in the 2022 class to, to fill. It's a short offer sheet, but um, there's going to be a lot of availability. So uh, with people moving on, Gabe Brown, Joey Hauser, Marcus Bingham, um, they're all going to be graduating. And, you know, couple that with um, who knows if Max Christie is, you know, rises to the occasion and is a one and done. I I don't know. Uh, Then you got even more opportunities and more uh, scholarships to offer out. So lots to play out. Um, You know, this is a bit of a now I wouldn't say an early commit. This is right on time. Um, what I don't know is how it's, the rest is going to play out. And, and you know, one thing, Austin, that I think got a little bit made this whole 2022 class get funky was the Amani commitment last year. Mm. That was completely out of the blue. You know, it was kind of a pie in the sky thing. And, you know, add in, um, you know, so he commits. And then I feel like a month later, there was another commit. Uh, was it Enoch? Yeah, Boache. Boache commits, and then they both bail. And it's like, that kind of stunts your entire 2022 class because you're kind of planning out how many spots you have. So you might cool on some people that you probably weren't planning on cooling on. And then all of a sudden, those two are gone, and it's a little too late to heat back up. Um, Or are they gone, John? Hmm. The the ultimate boomerang is so now out of nowhere, Amani has decided that Michigan State is back in his not just top eight, but his top four, um, which includes 
Memphis, Oregon, and the G League. So I, I don't know what to make of this quite yet. I'm not sure if anyone does. A lot of folks out of without any information are assuming that Michigan State is in last place. Uh, I, I would argue there's no way to know that. And yes. I would argue that's actually the opposite of the truth because if you decommit from somewhere, you're, you would think that they'd be done with you. But if you add them back on, you're, there's a very good chance you're probably going to go there. Um, and he's kind of a guy that you can't, I would say, it would have a very difficult time turning that down. <laughs> the best play, one of the best players in the class. So I don't know, man. Uh, the other kid in his class that reclassified Jalen uh, Duran, he, he's a center. He was the number one player reclassified now as a top five for 2021 class. He uh, committed to Memphis. You'll notice that was one of the schools that Amani uh, had in his top four. I, a lot of people thought that that would mean that that was a good indicator that Amani would go there too because they had played together in uh, some AAU tournaments in the past. I, I would go the other way on that. I mean, th- this is, there's only so much bag. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't care if Penny, how much money Penny thinks he has. It's not like the other schools aren't offering that same bag for the, their prize recruit, right? So you already landed one. Can you go get another bag that big? That's tough. Well, uh, it's not even about so, – so I almost liken – and this is a, a – I don't think it's a lazy analogy, but it's certainly a common one. Uh, it's kind of becoming like free agency. I think in a lot of ways, like, you know, here's the deal. Uh, I think no matter what, Imani is a, a, a national NIL guy. Well, actually, you know what? Let me take a quick step back. Yeah. First of all, he reclassified. Not to brag, but we called it. We called this. This is a long time coming. We, we Yeah. It's not exactly rocket science. You knew he was going to eventually reclassify, and we always said we thought that that played into Michigan State's favor here. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait. We do get a pat on the back, and here's why. He's still not eligible for the NBA until 2023. And now everybody's realizing that. When we've been saying that for literally almost two years. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It's fine. We'll uh, again when we're ads, we will recognize ourselves with the plaque. It's not a big deal. Um, but anyways, he is formally moved up a class, which you always knew he would do. He has two years that he has to figure out. If he goes to the G League, the record the G League has ever offered anybody, I think, was a million. Was it a million dollars to Jalen Green? I think was was the most. Yep. I have a hard time picturing them going much higher than that. Not to say, again, that he can't get sponsorships off that, but we've talked about it before. The sponsorship sponsorships he's going to be able to get are going to be much greater, I think, if he is a collegiate athlete than if he is a uh, if he is a G League athlete uh, or whatever it's called. Um, the reason being is those regional fan bases – will pour a ton of money into you. And again, this is where having billionaire donors and billionaire alumni alumni, could potentially pay massive dividends. Which is why... Go to Oregon. They've got Phil Knight. Huge deal, obviously. 
massive. That's why they're on the board. Memphis, I think um, Jalen Duran probably had something to to do with that. But then, you know, Michigan State, you've got you think he wouldn't be slinging mortgages at, at 18. You think <laughs> you, th- you think he's not going to be slinging Little Caesars pizzas like I mean, he the amount of money he can make. I genuinely believe this, too. And this is why Jalen Duran is going to Memphis and not going to the G League, because he knows he already came out and said he's got NAL deals lined up for almost two million dollars. He's going to make more money going and playing collegiately because of the exposure than he would be going to the G League. He's just going to be able to sign bigger deals. And, and to me, this is we're, we're all just finding out who Jalen Duran is. Everybody knows who Amani Bates is. Whether he's better or not is completely irrelevant. Amani yep. Bates was on on the cover of Sports Illustrated like three years ago. He is he is the his own brand already, which he is going to be able to cash in on the sec before probably like Quinn Ewers before he even steps on campus. Where he wants to do that is completely his prerogative. He has previously opened a school to play in in Michigan. He has at one point in time been committed to Michigan State. You know they would bury the hatchet. You know they have scholarship spots. You know where you fit. You know the guys on the team. Like, to me, I don't know if MSU is the ultimate end destination. I really don't. But I think if he doesn't go to – in my opinion, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go to the G League if his college choice is not Michigan State. Just from a familiarity standpoint, it makes it would be wild to me if on August 11th or what a month before school is about to start, which, by the way, he needs to be enrolled in like the next three weeks at most of these schools. Like there are dates for enrollment for all of them. So we will literally know if he is where he has chosen by the time at which he announces. So I think Memphis is coming up in like it's like August 27th or something like that. So it's 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 here and it's insane to me that this is a conversation that we are having. I think it's pretty cool and yeah. it would be insane, but I it it would certainly change the way we feel about this year's team, that's for sure. Here are two more pieces to think about. I think sometimes we all get very caught up in the very the very near future. And 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 what you can't be is penny wise and pound foolish. And when I say that, I mean, sure, NIL is a big deal. Sure, bags have always been there. It's a big deal. <clears throat> you got to look at your long term. Yes. And, and, and so when you, we've talked about a little bit at length about the medium length term, if, you know, getting the Michigan State fan base behind you or Oregon or Memphis and the value of that. And I think <clears throat> you can, the way you take a long view of this is if Imani Bates were to come to Michigan State, I would argue that one of the two main reasons are two very two people. And we talked about one of them already. Draymond Green and Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's yep. net worth is over $600 million. Okay, this, He was playing basketball well before these ridiculous contracts where, you know, <laughs> These these guys you've never heard of are, are putting together twenty million dollar deals. He's Didn't got, he signed like a twenty five year, twenty five million dollar deal, and everyone was like, "Wow, what an incredible deal you just signed." And you know why he did that? He saved the, the Lakers a lot of money by doing that. I'm sure did. Which allowed them to continue to be a contender against the Celtics, and that was just kind of a 
the first hint of his business prowess. And you get a guy like Magic or a guy like Draymond Green, who, you know, we talked about his basketball accolades. This is a guy who's invested in so many different pots. He's bought 20 Blink Fitness Gyms. This is a guy who's been with Smile Act Club right out of the gate. This is a guy who uh, got a max contract as the third best player on his team. This is a guy. (laughs) You got to figure it out. He's a good person to emulate. He's got converse. And and so you got to take a step. And I'm not saying they're any way, shape, or form the same type of player. But it's, it's about from a business acumen standpoint and saying, how do I maximize my very small window of my life to the to make generational wealth for my grandkids and great grandkids. Okay. I got to get it right. If you get it right, it's going to be great for a very long time for my entire family. And there's, there's a path, you know, there are guys that have done it before with less, uh, with less talent. One of them anyway, uh, Draymond green. I, I think he'd be the first to say that and, and made generational wealth, um, on that. Now, it's not to say that he can't go to Memphis, Oregon, or the G League and make a ton of money as well later in his career. My point is there are living people who love Michigan State who would be happy to be mentors in in a business sense, not a basketball sense, which is the long game here. And I would be surprised that if Tom Izzo was interested in participating in the Imani Bates sweepstakes, would not use them as the his final card. So mm-hmm. just my two cents. I think there's a real angle to the hometown hero thing too. And I think that those two guys, again, uh, can speak to that as well as anybody you're talking about, you know, Saginaw and, and Lansing. Sure. Uh, you'd have Imani Bates, you know, getting ready to do the same thing. Um, sure. To me there, there's, there's an element, there's an element there when you, and I think it, it's, it's uh financial as much as it's a financial impact as much as anything like if you are the hero you're 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 getting money from organizations around the state for the rest of your life even if you're not that good like if you (laughs) you know what i mean like it doesn't really even matter that much so i i think that there's if he's truly going to weigh out all the factors and it goes you know beyond some of the Basically, if you can get past the fact that Phil Knight is, you know, Nike is Oregon, then I think MSU's got a really, really uh, as good a shot as any of the collegiate programs here, if not a, a bigger one. So I don't know. We'll find that. The good news is that this doesn't have to drag out for like two years now like it did before. So we can just sort of know. And at this point, like I also will say. If, if you're going to go to one of two programs, I, I'm so glad he picked two just absolutely painless programs for me. Like yep. I have no, no ill will whatsoever towards Memphis or towards, uh, towards Oregon, even in spite of the, uh, Jalen Terry thing. Like yeah, it's fine. I, I still have, I it's Oregon. I don't yeah. even watch their games until like I, ever like preseason. And then like when the tournament's getting close, I might catch a game or of theirs. So yeah, Pac-12 after dark is reserved for football. It's like it's like with any, you know, recruit sweepstakes. If they don't pick your school, you hope that they go very far away. And yeah, you don't yeah, exactly. it again. But you said Oregon, Austin. 
And uh, it's relevant because uh, we just found out, speaking of Phil Knight, his 85th birthday around the corner feels like we just did PK80. MSU has been invited uh, out in PK85. And dude, which means a couple things. One, one of the most stacked tournaments uh, ever put together. And two, it means that the Duke return game in East Lansing will more than likely be delayed another year because Shocking. Duke will be participating in this event along with North Carolina, Villanova, Yukon, Xavier, Gonzaga, Alabama, Florida, Portland, Jeez. Portland State, Purdue, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oregon, and Oregon State. <laughs> it's There are a lot of really, really damn good basketball schools. In Poor this. Oregon State, man. They got a couple years to figure it out. Okay. They just got some a few. They in Portland State and Portland are like, uh, what? <laughs> sure. It's, no, it's they, very shamanad of them to get yeah. included in this uh, in this operation. Dude, Portland, Portland State, Oregon State, and and Iowa State, who went over in the Big Twelve last year, they should just go do their own little JV thing in like an auxiliary gym. No one will care. It's fine. Yeah. The, yeah. No. <laughs> You want to go? Mm, not especially. <laughs> but you guys get all the gear and it'll be cool. And you can say right. it's fun for everybody. We lost by 80 total points in two games, but it was we had fun. But check out this T-shirt. It's awesome. <laughs> this shirt. I got to go to Oregon. <laughs> no, they're all from Oregon. So it's not even that fun for them. They just. No, what do you say? I thought you said Iowa State. Well, I, they're the only other one. I meant Portland, Portland State, and Oregon State. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. They didn't even get to go anywhere. Cool. It's like, yeah, we went to, uh, I don't know, like six miles down the road. Yeah, I invited some awesome. people to Yeah, I invited some people to my house, and they kicked my ass. It kind of sucked, actually. How At least your- I got to sleep in my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Should we take a break? We've been. I think so. I okay, think so. let's transition to football. All right. The transition begins. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Now we're back. We are. We are back. You know what's now it's, it, it's time to talk about football, John. Go ahead. You know what's interesting about this kind of the news that has come out? Normally it would be very big news. But this AD thing just overshadowed everything, as it should, by, by so much that almost forgot that Michigan State football landed one of their biggest and best recruits of the 2022 class in Jaden Mangum. Top uh, five-ish, top 10 kid from Michigan, four-star from all recruiting sites, 6'3", 185, not quite sure what position he's going to play. But the biggest thing is that he was flipped – from West Virginia, and not not just any flip, their coach uh, tweeted out basically their silent confirmation that they got their guy, and then 
Midnight Mel. Mel Tuck coming. Mm-hmm. Just said, not so fast, my friend. And flips Jaden Mingham. And I'll let you talk about why that is even more significant. Because I remember you had your eye on his older brother back in those recruiting. Yes. Yes. His older brother. Um, it's awesome. I mean, like, this, there, there's really no way around the fact that this is a huge, I won't call it a coup, but, like, this is a big get for for Michigan State for a, a variety of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, like you said, you want to protect your home ground, put that fence around the state. Uh, I think this is the third top, third or fourth top 10 kid that MSU's gotten from inside of the state in this class, yep. which is yep. the best found. That's the foundation for all success Michigan State has ever had is to do well in the state of Michigan. This is a great place to start. Um, he's also a great player. I mean, he's, he's a four-star composite. He had offers from Bama, Notre Dame, Florida State, Oregon, Kentucky, Michigan. Um, so that, again, huge. And to your point about the West Virginia thing, these are battles Michigan State was losing last yep. year. And yep. The year before, and the year before that, and towards the end of the D'Antonio, the nadir of the D'Antonio era, uh, they were losing out to West Virginia, losing out to Kentucky, losing out to these other regional schools, quite frankly. And to not only not lose here, but to directly go in and be like, no, you're coming to play for us. Big deal. West Virginia does offer every player under the sun. So, like, I'm pretty sure I got a scholarship offer from them. Uh, but Thank you. I should have. Yeah, no kidding. Country roads. Um but the the point of the matter is, it's it's a it's big to keep that kid from from going out of state and uh, frankly going to any other school inside of the state. Um, and additionally, the this you know six degrees of separation. Jaden's older brother Jaron, you may remember him, four star running back um, from the state of Michigan. Initially went and well actually currently plays at I believe still Colorado. Committed to Mel Tucker in his one season as head coach. Pulled him away from MSU. And now Mel gets the favor back by going and grabbing his younger brother, playing on that relationship. Pretty awesome. I mean, all the way around, just a a big get. And again, I think a lot of people were at one point in time looking at Mel's classes and thinking, you know, where are the four stars? Well, no room to complain anymore. And I think it's really great to see how you know everybody expected uh you know hey or, or what everybody said was let's see what happens hey the tide will turn for mel tucker as soon as he's able to get people on campus and lo and behold that is that is really coming true in in spades we've seen that the emphasis on recruiting the emphasis on building and playing on that brand of michigan state football is really shining through in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and that's, that's extremely, extremely exciting. Um, and don't look now, but the class is rated in a pretty good spot. Calm the people down, but Hey, well, let's, let's talk about that. You said, everyone said he's got to get guys on campus to ever have a shot. A lot of rival fan bases rolled their eyes at that, but that's true of anybody, right? You can't really cut your teeth in recruiting until you know, if they can do it once they get guys on campus. They did. And he didn't just get guys on campus. He got two guys that were committed to, silent committed to other programs. One public, one silent. Kate, his his quarterback, Keaton Hauser, mm-hmm. 
Boise State commit. Got him on campus, flipped him. Jaden Mangum, silent commit to Western Virginia, or excuse me, West Virginia. Got him on campus, flipped him. Don't look now. The biggest, uh, highest, most highly rated uh, offer I believe that Michigan State has out there is to Keonta Goodwin, a Kentucky commit. Yep. Uh, he's coming to visit. Not to say he's going to get him, but all of a sudden you got to start feeling like any kid that comes on campus that Mel really wants, you're in the running. And that's different than we've seen in, in many years. You know, D'Antonio just yeah. had a different approach, and that's okay. This approach is land some big fish. And he's not there yet. They're 15th in the recruiting nationally. That will fall. It'll fall probably down all the way to 30th. Still better than an average D'Antonio class. You're starting to see the momentum, though. You're starting to see the recruiting emphasis pay off the resources putting toward it start to pay off but i don't even think we've even seen the beginning because i think he's pushed even more chips in on that area yeah i think the the exciting part about it is that what this momentum is all built off of a two and five season but frankly they looked awful yeah uh they haven't even played a game yet with with uh, you know, in, in the 2021 season, I mean, imagine what happens if they go out there and even, even when, even just go to a bowl game, I mean, that alone, based on how resident, how much the message is resonating today, it, it's exciting to think about where it can continue to go, you know, especially again, the tire, the hire of Thomas Wiltshire, uh, potentially having ramifications. I think there, there's a, the, a hire that's not necessarily getting swept under the rug, but I don't think, well, I'll put it this way. There was a very interesting article written in The Athletic, uh, which makes me sound like such a douchebag, but it's the <laughs> God's honest truth, um, by the Wisconsin beat writer, where he interviewed Saeed Khalif, who is the new director of player personnel, uh, or yeah, I think that's his title. Um, so he was brought in from Wisconsin, which you might remember. Um, to be the uh, to replace Scott Oligo, who uh, left for his alma mater of Kansas. This interview, everybody should take the time to read it because it, it is it is first of all, Sayy Khalif seems like a heck of a character. I can't wait to see him get interviewed more because this dude will tell you everything that he is thinking and, and then more. And uh, I personally thought that was that was very cool, and he had a lot of things to say about working at Wisconsin. Uh, I think, and it was very insightful to hear that a um, couple things stood out to me. First of all, Wisconsin, uh, well, for those who don't know, he helped put together, I think it was the four highest rated classes uh, in Wisconsin's recruiting history, all back to back. He helped them land five-star offensive linemen, four-star quarterbacks. I mean, stuff that Wisconsin just historically has not done. Um, some pretty amazing stuff. And Despite all that, he was he he says he just simply was not given the the same resources that he felt like he'd proven he deserved to have. And despite not having those resources, said his staff maxed out at four total people at the entire university working on recruiting. Four at a Big Ten university. No. Uh, that's what that's what he said. And he says now, you know, uh, I felt like we deserve more. We were proving our success. Da 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 da. He's like, I, I respect the hell out of Coach Chris. He was very complimentary of Paul Chris. I will say, it's not. He didn't bash the program on the way out by any stretch. But he was like, when I talked to Mel Tucker, I had never met him before in my life. But I just felt 
like I had a, a kindred spirit, somebody who put the amount of emphasis on uh, recruiting that I feel, felt needed to be put there. He says now at MSU, he has a staff of 12, which is so exciting to hear. I mean, like you don't realize that that's a big staff until you hear that Wisconsin's got four people. I don't know if that's more indicative of MSU or of Wisconsin, but based on everything we've seen, sure feels indicative of MSU. Um, well, it can be both maybe, right? It can. Absolutely. Like, and he makes a very clear point that like, look at what the best programs do. He's like, look at Clemson, look at Alabama, look at LSU, look at Ohio state. These programs emphasize recruiting year in and year out. And they have these well-built organizations. And he's like, I feel like Mel Tucker has given me the opportunity to do that. Uh, he was really interesting. He hired somebody recently from Wisconsin to come work with him at, at MSU. And I guess he went to, to Mel and said, you know, I've got this guy I want to hire. Like, are you, are you good with it or whatever? And, and Tucker just says, it's your department. You do what you see fit. And like that level of GM-ness over like that purview from Mel to be like, you know, what's best because you care about recruiting and I care about recruiting and I trust your vision is an amazing thing. Got to be amazing for Saeed Khalif to hear. It's awesome as a fan to hear, frankly. Well, yeah, autonomy um, breeds confidence. And you hire guys, you trust them to do their job well, and and you hope they reward you. You, know, you micromanage, or or rather, you don't provide them the resources that they they not just want. Like, come on, Wisconsin, like you're and you need it. Yeah, you need it. And like, here's the thing: is that you know, I read that that it was a great article, great read, right? And then, you know, you here's the everything that's wrong with Wisconsin is they have the second best um, Big Ten record for the last 25 years. OK, they win football games. Don't get me wrong. But in this article states, he goes, we coach these kids up better than probably anyone in the country up there with anyone. But at the end of the day, we thought we had Ohio State dead to rights. Yep. How many times? We can't beat them. We just can't because their talent pool is just he he's you know, he likes these kids but he's like they're just better they just are you know what I mean and no shame in that man but, but it's but Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's man it's the ultimate example but there is shame in that when you're not trying to make that improve that problem and that in Wisconsin yeah, will, sure. Michigan State will you know that's the difference so you know can I dunk on Wisconsin a little bit more oh sure. Okay, I, I just John, did I lose you? I think we lost you. We've lost John. He wanted to dunk, and instead was dunked. Um. So, you know, I guess it's just me hanging out, guys. I hope everyone's uh, doing well. I'm not going to edit this out. Uh, I'm just going to monologue for a while. I think John's right. I think it's a, it's disappointing if you're a fan of Wisconsin, certainly to read this and realize, oh, wow, our program doesn't want to commit the resources. And we just lost the only guy who was fighting to commit these resources. That would certainly be uh, awful disappointing if, if you're a Wisconsin fan. Um now, from the MSU side of things, 